0: what's up YouTube It's seven o'clock on December 17th for our next edition of the weekly lawn and garden show how is everyone how is everybody doing hope everybody's doing okay I am uh, trying to get my uh, back end stuff here taken care of so I can see what's going on. So bear with me for just a minute. And we will be good to go. Let's see here. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Bam! I am here. Adrian Rebels. Hey from Kansas. Hey to you, man. Hey to you. Hey from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Turf Nerd, you got to leave for the airport to pick up your daughter. Uh, I'll try to listen on your phone. Uh, David, what I would rather you do is join me on the YouTube Live. Uh, I think you have a fair amount to contribute, but congrats to your daughter. Graduation. I know that's a feat in and of itself. What's going on? I got the hiccups, my goodness, one second here. All right, get a drink of some kombucha. Goodness, heavy. All right, y'all. It is December seventeenth. On in the world of lawn care in your areas, um, I'm curious. I'm sure the guys down in Florida are still rocking and roll, still rocking and rolling. Um, probably parts of Georgia, uh, Texas, uh, southern, southern parts of Texas, South of Mississippi. South Mississippi is probably still going. South Alabama. um, But up my way, we're seeing less and less trucks out on the road. Um, It's just that that time of year where the fescue has pretty much stopped growing. Uh, We had a real hard, cold week this last week. Um, You know, high for the week was like 44 degrees. And uh, it pretty much put everything down for the count. So unless we get another stretch of uh, 60-degree weather, I would say we are pretty much done for the season. So I'll take it. I will take it. Casey, the, uh, the, the lateral spread fescue, so far it's doing good it, it um, i believe it was um north carolina said it it's got, it's got the sprouting pout um it sprouted really well and then it's hit this lull where it doesn't seem to be doing anything and um it's it's shutting down basically with in that in that area there where it's not really doing anything so um, again, I've still got high expectations for next year. Um, and one of the reasons why I have such high expectations, it'd be different if, if these fescue varieties didn't rank well in the NTEP, um, but they are ranked so high in the NTEP that I've actually got really, really strong faith that they're going to, they're going to do really well next year. It's just like, getting through this winter period and then next year as we begin to heat up. You know they'll they'll really take off, especially you know pushing it with appropriate amounts of fertilizer. So I think I think those lateral spray fescues are going to be fine. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head which ones I was using, um, but all three varieties were in the top twenty in the NTEP. So um, good fescues, definitely good fescues. So we'll see we'll see what they do you know, moving into next year, Shane Brady, go, go to the store, get you something, get you something, Albert, your St. Augustine is sleeping, uh, where are you in California, I'm just curious, um, you know, one of the interesting things to me about California is, you know, one, I, the only thing I really know weather related is the southeastern United States, and when I was in Los Angeles this year, how cool it was at night, you um, you know, going to the uh, the beach at night, um, and it just being, you know, windy and cold coming in off the Pacific there, and I was like, "It's is crazy! It's the middle of June, and I'm I'm freezing cold." It was just a it was a bizarre thing, um, where you know in my mind I had these preconceived notions that it was going to be just you know scorching, roasting hot in June, and it it just it wasn't like it is. Here in the south, um, so it's kind of a kind of an interesting thing for me. So I'm curious where you're at, Albert. Corporate HQ, what's going on, David Hall? How are you, sir? How are you? Uh, I'm gearing up for Christmas. I hope all y'all are gearing up for a, a good, fun Christmas. Uh, I'm actually going to be taking the trip to Memphis um, to go see friends and family in West Tennessee. Close friend of mine had a uh, had a baby out there, so we're going to go spend time with him. Of course, my mom and dad are there. This will be their last year in Memphis, so uh, going to uh, go hang out with them for a little while, and uh, and we should be, you know, coming on back and gearing up for a big next year. I'm probably starting the last week of January, Um, so. You know, I've got a little bit of a a lull here between now and, you know, we'll say like January 28th. I think that's the Monday I'll be starting, so a little downtime before it gets going again. What's going on, Matt H? Get get that snow, man. Get that snow. Uh, When spraying liquids, can you talk about checking pH? Yep, I can. Ryan Quick. Ryan Quick! Man, why? Dude, that is my fault uh I know we had that date to meet text me man text me I probably got sidetracked with something and would have had to reschedule times but I, I could have made time over the Thanksgiving week man uh, always feel free to to text me I mean I am I am the worst I'm the worst human alive um' when spraying Lucas can you talk about checking pH Uh, Ryan, okay, so here's the deal. When you're spraying liquids, um, the half life of an herbicide will be affected by by the pH of the the final pH solution. Um, So, for instance, the lower the pH, the more acidic uh, solution you have, usually the longer the half life, the slower that will biodegrade. Um, So, if you're if you're talking about product like uh, uh, fungicides and herbicides, typically uh, it will last longer in solution in your tank than it will in a high pH situation. Where you know we'll say if you're like in a pH over we'll say eight or above, um, what you'll see happen is that uh, typically that will um, cause it to. Just, it'll basically render it inert really quickly. So um, one of the easy things to do is, is you know, get, a, get a, a pH water tester that you use for like a swimming pool or something and test the pH of your water. Uh, typically, where you test in your area, it's going to cover a pretty, a pretty significant geographical size. i want to check like well water versus um, uh, sewer or city water Um, There may be some fluctuations there, not really in our area, we tend to have acidic water. Really in the southeast in general, uh, I I can't speak really for Florida, Florida is a whole other beast in itself, but what you see in the southeast is um, uh, low pH water, so it's not as imperative. Now the other thing to keep in mind too is that phenoxy herbicides, so that's going to be your three-way herbicides. Are actually going to have a greater effect at, in a low pH solution so um, keep that in mind too if you test and you're at a seven, 7 uh, you know pH on your water and uh, you're going out with a three-way herbicide it would behoove you you're going to get better results if you drop the pH of your spray solution so keep that in mind as well um, and that also will kind of correlate into other things you're adding to your tank so um, if you're spraying potassium chloride potash, um, that can raise the pH of your spray solution versus if you're spraying, um, like potassium sulfate, which would have a neutral pH or you're spraying, uh, ammonium sulfate, which is going to have, uh, an acidic pH. So, um, I think that all kind of comes into performing jar tests too, seeing how different products react with others. Um. I could, I can't really go down a list and tell you which ones are going to react with others because uh, it all varies based on you know whether it's pH or uh, the uh, how hard or soft the water is. It can all have that effect on your on your spray solution. So uh, best bet is to always test it and test a small amount. Uh, mainly the ones you're going to have issues with are going to be uh, some calciums. And especially calcium in combination with phosphorus, phosphorus into a category of its own. Um, You tend to get reactions with phosphorus in solution with other fertilizers. Same with calcium. You have to be careful. You can get reactions with calcium in fertilizer solution. Especially if you're mixing calcium and phosphorus uh, in the same tank, you will get a precipitate. Uh, calcium phosphate begins to form and it will settle out of spray solution so uh, keep that in mind if you don't want a bunch of solids forming in your spray solution um, you know always test let it sit because when you immediately mix phosphorus and calcium you don't get an immediate reaction it take it takes a few minutes it takes several minutes and um, and you know 30 minutes later you may have uh, you know a good layer there at the bottom and then you know, four hours later, and then you're talking about really some significant buildup in the bottom of your tank. So, just keep that in mind. Uh, it's always better to spray in a lower pH unless a label is going to tell you separately. Um, I don't know anything that uh, is better performing at a high pH, but I don't know all the products out there either. But for the most part, everything that I deal with, herbicide related and fungicide related. Better or last longer in solution in a low pH. So, uh, and I would say that being when I say low pH, I'm saying between like a seven and a five. Um, if you're going to drop it lower than a five, you certainly can. Um, I just think at that point you're you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So. Uh, and it's kind of what I have to say about that. I, I, I plan on doing a whiteboard video that goes way in, into depth with uh, pH, and I'll actually take a list of probably the most popular products and break down how they actually react at different pHs, so that way you kind of have a visual guide to go by. Uh, is it too late to put down one last Milo in Georgia? Uh, thanks, be safe, because a little baby force. Uh, Corporate HQ... I, <laughs> Yes, is it, is it too late? Probably. Uh, can you? Sure, go ahead. Um, you'll get some of the micronutrient release. Um, chances are it's too cold for that iron uptake to really happen like it's supposed to. So um, you can put it out. Is it really going to do anything? No. Um, but uh, you know, as soon as temperature breaks in the spring, uh, it will be there ready to do something. So um, there you go. There you go. Yeah, Ryan, just holler at me when you get in, man. Just holler at me. Uh, I'm in Cali, and for me, it's mid-60s mornings, low in mid to high 30s. Just got second mow in on my overseeded fescue. What do I do now? Uh, Peg junk, if it were me, I would hammer it with fertilizer. Um, Let's see. Mid-60s, lows in the mid to high 30s. I, I don't know your soil conditions I would say they're pretty sandy um, I would probably go out with like a half pound or a full pound quarters of a pound of ammonium sulfate and um, and continue to push as much plant maturation as possible uh, leading to that complete uh, suspension of growth so um, now is the time even though you've got your second mow on it um, I would still continue to push for plant maturation. Uh, the more mature you can get your plants now, the more developed they'll be in the summer of next year, which is ultimately the goal. The, the more mature you can have the plants the summer of next year, um, the better uh, performing turf grass you'll have, the more uh, resistant uh, turf grass you have towards extreme's, streams, whether that be temperature or drought or disease. Um, so, again, push for plant maturation right now. And I would do that with ammonium sulfate. Uh, Scott Robertson, ideal pH is probably closer to six rather than seven. Uh, I have snow cover up in Connecticut. Leaks still coming down. How should I address them? Walk along to remove them or wait till it thaws? Uh, Matt, I would definitely wait till it thaws if you can. Uh, sometimes you've got to you man it's one of those things that's a judgment call really um, if you can if you can find a good warm day where at least the grass thaws um, and then by all means absolutely get them up as quick as you can um, but I, I just I, yeah you definitely don't don't want to leave the leaves down uh, it if it warms up enough, you can mow them or something. Uh, but I, w- I would try not to leave a you know a full size leap down because that 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 always causes some funky things to happen. When you use Ronstar, do you use the granular version or powder than spray? Uh, Philip, it depends on what I have available to me. Um, so, like on my sports fields next year, I'll be using granular just because that's going to be easier for me to get than a powder. Uh, the the water soluble powders. It, they're just not real common here. My distributors don't stock them, so um, you know my hands are kind of tied there. Uh, and then on the flip side, you know they've got multiple pallets of granular Ronstar. So uh, on my on my sports fields, uh, typically I'm using uh, granular Ronstar. Steve Wiley, I'll t- I'll tell you exactly what I miss more. Um, hmm. I don't know. I think I miss the nutsedge more because uh, I had a really good year and good luck with nutsedge this year. Uh, I just did. I just, it performed better. uh, Dismiss seemed to perform better for me this year than it has in years past. So right now I'm going to say nutsedge me again in May of next year, I may have a different story. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, I would not use vinegar. I guess you could. So vinegar is acidic acid. Um, Usually I would recommend you use citric acid. Um, Most tank conditioners that are uh, designed to drop pH to spray solution um, are going to be the citric acid based. Um, so I would recommend you use that versus acidic acid. Um, but uh, if you can drop it within range without a high concentration of acidic acid, then, um, uh, you should be good, but, um, I'm doing a quick Google search here. Yeah, you should be fine with acidic acid. Uh, just, just, you know, make sure you're not having to use anything higher than like a uh, 5% solution to get your pH where you need it to be. So, yeah. Yeah, you'll make it. You'll make it. I know vinegar is readily available. Uh, probably a whole lot easier to get. So, you know, you got to use what you got to use. You know what I mean? What's up, you too? James Stat, you missed it, man. That was one of the first things I, I, I dropped in with. Uh, gone, but we had a windstorm and my pines puke pine cones all over the side yard. Looks like thousands, probably hundreds, of. I uh, hate them, but love the way they look. Um, I wouldn't be as concerned with pine cones just because they don't mat down on the soil surface so bad. Grass grow through a pine cone really, really well. Um, I've never seen grass grow through uh, you know, a thick thick bed of leaves so um you're definitely gonna get more light and air penetration through a pine cone than you will uh, leaves now big pile of uh pine needles that comes down heavy enough i've seen that have some escues uh, have some issues on fescues too so i'll give you that as well uh, regarding rhinestar i'm trying to apply to an area needing repair a plant spray Powdered version in february before green up i was hoping to spray again in the summer but concerned spray causes damage <clears throat> uh, philip i've got a uh, property that i do um sports field i only do one application of ronstar in february march time frame usually i do it the first week of march um and that's the only application I do of it, and I have no issues with crabgrass breakthrough by the end of the year. So, um, if you can get it down once, then I would say you would be good to go without having to worry about doing it in the summer. Um, as far as the spray causing damage, it'll 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 yellow the grass a little bit, but um, you can spray with like a um, A Ferramec or something, and it will mask a little bit of that uh, phytotoxic effect that it'll cause the leaf tissue. Um, I wouldn't get too hung up on the damage caused by the Ronstar. Um, If you're super concerned with getting down two apps of Ronstar, um, don't wait till summer. You know, maybe catch it when it's about 80% green, we'll say like late April. And, um, but you should be able to get away with just one application in february and uh and rock and roll with it let's see here dismiss rock the lawns preventing nuts today should we have very little breakthrough this year as well uh ryan yep you know when i used dismiss preventatively this year i had a had a select a group of properties that i did that to and uh, i was super amazed at the level of prevention it did provide. Um, so especially now that zone has gone generic, one thing I have considered doing is just doing a blanket application of dismiss with my round twos, um, to hopefully, you know, basically roll my own echelon for round two and, uh, and try and stove off that, um, Additional, uh, additional nuts edge breakthrough. Bear with me, just one second. Let's see here. Yard's done right. What's up? How are you, Jim? How are you, Jim? What about chelate iron to master dismiss? Um, Yeah, you can do that as well. Um, I didn't have any issues with dismiss until uh, late summer, seemed to be July. And none of it was too bad. (laughs) I will tell you one thing I did that was really stupid. Um, And I will... Recommend you never do this ever. Um, uh, one second, I gotta send this email real quick. There we go. Okay. Um, do not spray Primo or Tranaxapac or T-Nex. I would dismiss because it takes forever forever for it to recover um so don't do that you could probably throw in some chelated iron or just some straight ferrous sulfate uh to mask it um i don't know how well it would work i would definitely play with it and see what it does and try it at that six ounce rate and then go up from there because if it's less than a six ounce rate you probably won't see a whole lot other than some general just stunning um, I've seen some people online burning their grass, actually setting it on fire. Is this recommended, and how does it go? Uh, they're claiming hard spring bounce back. Yeah, corporate. So there's several things that actually, that actually take place when you do that. Um, so ash content in general is going to have an analysis of like a 0, 3, 4. Uh, so it's going to have a little bit of phosphorus, a little bit of potassium. So, you're recycling a nutrient back into the soil. Also, it's going to have carbon content that you're recycling back into the soil. Uh, with carbon, you're going to have the carbon cycling effect, you know, greater microbes moving to the soil surface. Um, it's also going to generate heat. All that ash at the surface is going to be really dark, and that is going to uh, increase the temperature there at the surface. It's going to burn off anything you have at the surface that's potentially blocking sunlight allow more sunlight to get to that soil surface and that's why you typically get that hard bounce back in spring from it does it work yes absolutely it's an old farmers trick and it works a hundred percent you gotta be careful when you're doing it I've seen it get out of hand really quickly and take out acres and acres of grass uh, when they were just trying to handle like a half acre or a full acre. So um, just keep that in mind. There, There is some risk to it, but it definitely works well. Further, the oxydonatine will run off midsummer and then my choice would be to be another after switch to prodiamine. Uh, yeah, Phil, I wouldn't worry too much about it, especially if you drive that turf grass hard enough, um, you, you really shouldn't have an issue. I haven't had any issues with it, and... Uh, for instance, that that one field when we were doing the complete grow-in, it was Ron star once, and I mean we aerated monthly. Uh, in some instances, it was every two weeks, and still no breakthroughs. So, you know, it's good stuff. Now, one thing to keep in mind, Philip, that I did do was uh, it it did get a blanket application of Monument in mid-May. So that may have a little bit of a synergistic effect in combination with the oxidizer so that in mind jim i'm doing great man i am doing great. Right. how are you are you getting the snow up there jim uh i am the beginning i'll get comes out of the day, in the spring i have a natural area under pine as well the needles there i hear they actually do better with needles under there yep yep that's true uh, what premerch should I use in my garden areas? Weeds over the summer drive me insane. I think I killed one of my girls' rowbuses last year with preen. Um. So, okay, if for a my mom commented, our backyard Bermuda is dead. Will you check it out, please, Mom? Uh, it's dormant. It's not dead. So, uh, no, no reason to worry about it. It it just it went dormant. It's perfectly normal. Um. <laughs> what, what pre-merge should you use in your rock garden areas? I don't know, um, you know, uh, pr- probably your best bet would be either uh, gallery, I'm trying really hard to remember, isoxabin is the active in gallery, um, uh, that's also snapshot, I think, is the same AI. Um, That's going to be a good one. The other one would probably be uh, SureGuard. I believe SureGuard is a pre-emergent. You can also use um, one with pendimethalin and something else. Somebody had to help me on this a few weeks ago. Um, It's a granular in terms of a bare ground application. Um. I would probably stick with SureGuard or the uh, Gallery or Snapshot. I think mean, you have have a better bet there. Um, I just I don't do a lot of bed weed controls, so uh, I'm probably not the best person to ask about that. Um, well, thank you, Corporate. Thank you, Sahara. Sahara is going to be a post-emergent though, so that will uh, that will definitely kill definitely killed some things i believe that's a non selective herbicide homen gallery and prodiamine works well yeah i would i would i would bet that would work really well actually uh, gallery has a broader spectrum of broadleaf weeds on the label and uh, and so in conjunction with something like prodiamine i could see that r- really really working well uh home spray any desk in on tuesday 50 degrees Man, I, th- that's one thing. I, I wonder how our landscape here would react to having any desiccant sprayed on them. Uh, I know they wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I know that wouldn't react negatively to it. But how much more they would potentially perform with an a- anti-desiccant. So that may be something I do some experimenting with. You, uh, I almost called your yard. It's done right. Oh, Jay Beverage. Uh no no problem no problem you're welcome mom you're welcome uh no you're good I just I don't like doing bed we control because I'm just never super pleased with the results and I feel like it's always it's always a point of contention between me and whoever I'm doing the job for um, you know because. 30 days after the initial clean out, everything, you know, the landscape beds tend to look good. Everything over 30 days, it seems to drop significantly really quickly in terms of weed regeneration. So, that's why I just, I really do not like doing it. I stay away from it at all costs. Um I'm just not a big fan of it. Uh, Casey Turner, soil temperatures are not high enough to use biosolids right now, so I would not recommend doing it. Um, I, me personally, I would use ammonium sulfate. That, that was what I, I finished out my year with. Um, ammonium sulfate, potassium nitrate, ammonium nitrate, calcium nitrate, um, any of the, the super available Uh, In sources. Uh, I would stay away from urea because there's a biological conversion that has to take place there as well. we sprayed evergreen for the last three years and haven't lost a plant. Wow. Wow. It's actually cheaper than spending money on snapshot or freehand. Freehand is the one, Tony. That's what I was trying to think of. That's pendimethalin and another uh, AI that I cannot remember. Uh, freehand. That's freehand's what we we've used on the landscape side the last couple of years, and eh does okay. Totally understand. My girl does books for a friend friendos, lawn care service, and he complains about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. I just, I never. It's not something I want to get into because when if I'm not happy with the results, I have a hard time trying to sell it. So. Uh, for me personally, I just I want to stay away from it as much as I can. There you go, Casey Turner. Take it and run with it, man. Take it, and run with it. I I think the other thing too that'll be a benefit to you, Casey, is that uh just a straight ammonium sulfate is going to be cheap. Um, it's going to be cheap and effective. So you know, get it out, save some save some winter money. Uh, it's it's the time of year to be saving your winter money. So uh. You're no no reason to spend you know just gobs and gobs of cash right now. What's up, cat bird feeder? How are things down your way in Mississippi? I, uh, I reckon you're going through the same thing that about the, the rest of the U.S. is, and that's a lot of dormant grass. Your centipede is on the, uh, the out and out. Plus the Rudy 2s are always crapping about their... Yeah, I bet they are. I bet. Uh, Produce, non-selective, has pre. Yeah, produce has uh, prodiamine in it. Uh, I believe it is a mix of prodiamine and glyphosate. Um, So that's a good one. That's a good one. Everybody that wants it and has asked me to spread it for them, so I figured I'd grab a few hundred pounds and get it out. Yep, it's time to rock and roll with it. My wife came sneaking in here, trying to act all innocent and quiet. Busted! Busted! <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you you really you really can't go long with go wrong with ammonium sulfate as a um, as a winter fertilizer for cool season grass on. Yeah, just just as a as a nitrogen source, unless you have a pH of of like a uh, I would say like a five four or less, I would uh, I would stay away from it. Cat bird feeder, you got weeds everywhere. No time. You're gonna have to find you some time to mix up a good tank of a uh, of a hectic blend and get out there and napalm that yard. Cat bird feeder, please don't use. Uh, Diesel fuel, and kind of a funny story. When I was early in my career in the green industry, um, I ran this particular part of, of way out in the county, in in it was just outside of Memphis uh, area called Somerville. and it was real popular out there. That when um, the the Bermuda grass would go dormant. Uh, these old farmers, they would, they would spray their Bermuda grass with, um, with diesel fuel. And it was kind of interesting. This guy moved into this house. He sprayed his yard with diesel fuel. And, you know, the yard went, it, it was dormant at that time. It, it was struggling to come out of dormancy. It wouldn't come out of dormancy. And basically every shrub at his property died and uh it was it was a brand new property and it was all newly landscaped and uh, the first thing he did was he he said it was it was me that killed all of it and uh and sent off tissue tests to to find out which herbicides were present in the uh, leaf tissue and it was privets that were actually killed and i don't know if anybody's ever tried to kill a privet but killing a privet is next to impossible. Spray the whole thing with Roundup, and I'm about 99% certain that it will come back. Uh, you may have that one deal there where where it may not come back, but Privet, for the most part, is going to come back from Roundup, uh, more or less. You know, three-way, and which was the only other herbicide I'd put on the yard. Um, so. Anyway, when he sent it off to uh, have the bio-estate done of the plants, it turns out it was actually the diesel fuel that had killed the privets. So keep that in mind. If anybody out there gets a wild hair that they want to be spraying some diesel fuel, uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, James, Dad, I am, I am not the dancer. That is, that's all my wife. Uh, I'm just way out. Way out, <clears throat> Tony. AMS and RGS time frame to see spraying temps in the 40s. Shoo! It's going to be a while. It is. Uh, it is definitely going to be a while with temps in the 40s. It really depends on your soil temperature. Uh, if your soil temps are in the 40, in the 40s, um, if you have a couple days that spike up, <clears throat> probably what you'll see is a growth out a bit and uh, some color improvement. And then as temperatures back down, um, it's actually going to look like you lost color in the yard. Um, but really what, what, what's taking place there scientifically is that you're getting this shift of, of, of either root growth or shoot growth that takes place based on uh, the, the fluctuations in soil temperature. So as you peak back up for, for the plant to be um, activated to produce shoot growth, that's when you get the color response. Um, when it stays, you know, probably in the lower 40s, uh, you get the root growth that's taking place. So uh, usually during the winter, you don't see as much of a, uh, a, a true reflection of the amount of root growth that's taking place by an equal amount of shoot growth that's taking place. Uh, so what takes place subsurface is usually greater than what takes place above surface. Um, Now, that tends to even out in March or April timeframe where it will develop closer to a same rate. But right now, likely what you're going to see happen is is you'll get root development, a little bit of shoot growth, root development, a little bit of shoot growth, root development, a little bit of shoot growth. And that's just going to be the nature of the, uh, the time of year so what is what is the time frame on that it's going to be hard to say but really it's going to be those days you have that are going to be 50 and above are going to be your your time frame for getting results been using barricade last several years wanted to change it up so not to get any resistance going to try dimension on bermuda in the spring um ryan you can switch it up and use dimension but um that's another uh dna um root pruner pre-emergent so it's the same class of pre-emergent as barricade so in terms of resistance uh using dimension is not going to help for barricade resistance um i hate to tell you that but um the three main ones so that's going to be pendimethalin Barricade, and dimension all three are dnas Uh, All three have the same mode of action. All three are going to lead to the same level of resistance. So if you want to step out of that wheelhouse, you may want to go on a period where you run uh, like gallery as your pre-emergent and then tackle any crabgrass breakthrough with a pure post program. Or uh, you can use a product like Spectacle. That will have a different uh, mode of action. So, unfortunately, not a lot of options there. Diesel fuel sounds like Imprelis, That's right. That's right. I've seen people here do that, and I thought, what are you doing? That's so against the law. Do not spray that. Diesel does. That's right. That's right. I hope it isn't grazing pasture for the farmers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I so man. I have two feet that were put on backwards. Rush <laughs> Longs, what's up, my man? What is up? You did. You made it. You made it to the live broadcast. Um, we're having a, a good little live broadcast here. Um, a couple of things that are going to be coming up. Uh, I've started working on my whiteboard video where I'm going to walk everybody through building a program on warm season grass just to kind of warn you this is going to be a 45 minute to an hour long video so I'm gonna edit it and break it up into maybe like uh, a a four-part series something like that Um, just because it's so long there's so much to cover in, under that topic, that um, you know, it's it's going to be really brutal. So, just keep that in mind. I have hard water. I heard that putting ammonium sulfate in my sprayer will kick my glyphosate up. Uh, James, that yeah, that it will. Uh, glyphosate is another one that's going to react with an acid. Um, in the video where I was talking about using surfactants one of the surfactants i listed was actually ammonium sulfate and the reason why i listed as the surfactant really a fertilizer in general either urea or ammonium sulfate is that um, if you've ever like dipped your hands in a solution of ammonium sulfate or urea and then rub your fingers until they begin to dry it gets extremely sticky Um, the other thing too is if it's freshly applied to grass in liquid form and you go and walk across it, uh, you'll slip immediately. It's, it's unbelievably slippery. And while your hands are wet and you bubble them together, they're really slippery. So ammonium sulfate and urea have that ability to break surface tension once in solution. And also the fact that it's going to acidify the solution is going to enhance the effect of glyphosate. Then the other aspect of it is that you're applying glyphosate with a nitrogen source is the fact that as that's taken in foliarly and stimulating growth, you're going to get much more significant movement from uh, shoot to root and root to shoot. So there you go. That's that's really how that ammonium sulfate is going to work with, with glyphosate. Um, can you do a video on reading soil test? Um, yeah, Scott, I, I did do one. It should be a few videos back about interpreting soil test. Um, it was it was a little generic. I can kind of take you through looking at a soil test, what I see. If you want to send me one, uh, I've got I've got no problem going through it. Um, listen, so soil testing is important, but what? What's important to understand about a soil test is that um, very rarely are you going to look at a soil test and and be like, oh, that's what's wrong. Very rarely. The only thing you're going to see on a soil test that's going to point to that would be extreme deficiencies or off ph Um, and a lot of times some of the deficiencies you see are because of an off ph so when you look at a soil test look at the ph first see exactly where you're at then you can go through and make sure you're at your minimum required levels uh, for your turfgrass species and typically most soil tests will list the recommended range Um, yeah you you know work to get it into that range If you get it above that range, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Um, If you're a little bit low in it, does that mean you're going to have a lackluster yard? No, Uh, I've got plenty of lawns that are low in manganese or low in magnesium that are still performing awesome. That you can't tell a difference between those and lawns that have adequate levels of manganese and magnesium. So um, it's not always as clear-cut as could be. Um, what you do want to look at, and if your soil test will tell you, you know, your, your organic matter level, you know, if that is going to be in that 25 to 3% range, uh, usually that's a good start for you. Um, and then the other thing would be CECs. Um, You know, make sure your CECs are well above like a a 13. Um, And that will tell you your soil's ability to hold and retain nutrients. Uh, And then if you really want to drive those CECs up, uh, the higher the CECs you have, the better retention it'll have. So uh, what's important is that you begin supplementing carbon, Really. Uh, so, yeah, look at your soil test, see exactly where you stand, plus what your soil test says, really, begin supplementing carbon, and um, I would bet serious money that you're going to have a much bigger impact there than you would be if you went through individually and brought each of those uh, macro and micronutrient levels into that recommended range. Um, and I'll bet any money you want on that. Let's see mixing the ammonium sulfate. He's a good video on that. I think it might have been you. Um, what, uh, James, Stout, what are you what are you asking about? Uh, mixing the ammonium sulfate. I'm a little confused. I tried to get Pete to come on with me tonight. He couldn't do it though. He uh he had, he had to go back to church tonight, so he could not join me. So, would three-way boost glyphosate? Lush lawns, yes. And the reason being is that you're getting two modes of activity there. Um, You know, so glyphosate is working specifically on um, a part of protein synthesis and shutting it down, which is going to shut down uh, uh, chlorophyll production. And ultimately lead to the the death of the plant. Whereas three way is going to it's a um, it's a synthetic auxin that is going to stimulate growth to death. So if you think about this, if you're stimulating growth in an environment without chlorophyll, where there's no carbohydrate production taking place um, to account for that stimulated growth, um, then it'll help the plant die faster. Uh, Also, where glyphosate will struggle with things that are woody in nature or bigger weeds in general, um, assuming they're they're broadleaf or woody in nature, a three-way is going to have that dicamba in it, which is going to broaden the spectrum of control of your glyphosate. It's like if you use glyphosate and three-way on... Uh, kudzu, it works if you use just glyphosate on kudzu. It doesn't really work, so kind of an example there. Could you use R, uh, RGS? Um, yes, for for CECs, yes, you can use RGS for that. Uh, RGS is an organic acid. Uh, humic acid is real simple. It's a it's a it's a, a weak organic acid and it forms organic bonds, weak organic bonds with nutrients that it mixed with, and it allows for more efficient delivery of those, also in the soil. Uh, those organic acids are going to have, are gonna be a, a little bit of a, a complex carbon chain, and that's what's going to make its way uh, into the soil and help retain those nutrients for longer, so yes. Acid RGS in general will increase CECs. I get slippery fingers from the mixing. There you go. There you go. Jim, go do your paperwork. You have a great night, and thank you for all you do. Uh, I love our group. Uh, for those of you who don't know those those guys that are that are pros out there, um, we have a Facebook group called the Professional Long Care Applicators Group, and uh, I recommend you join if you're a pro. Um, I'm also gonna plug some of the other groups um, that I'm in on Facebook not in a lot of them but the ones I am in I care a lot about um, the other one would be lawn digest and this is going to be more of a mentoring group that's going to be for um, guys that are in the green industry or are getting into the green industry and need a little bit of guidance um, there's a lot of people in lawn digest that have been doing this for years and years and years and years and years and years, and completely free of charge with nothing expected in return whatsoever. Um, you know, they offer help to the to the, the guys that are getting started out. Uh, same thing, the professional lawn care applicator group, we do the same thing, except it's generally for applications. Uh, lawn digest is going to be for a little bit of applications, but mostly for landscape and landscape maintenance work. Um, the other ones would be, um, there is a permagreen lawn care oper- uh, operators group. Uh, so, for those of you that run Permagreens, there's a group for you. You can talk about uh, some tips, tricks you have with your machine. Guys that run Z Spray, there's a Z Spray operator group. So, you can um, uh, you can you know hop hop in those groups and you know talk about your issues with Z Spray because I don't have any issues with my Permagreen. Sorry, that's a cheap shot for all you Z Spray guys out there. I'm just very pro Permagreen. Uh, when do you send out spring reminder letters to your customers? Um, I don't. Eh, actually, I do. Um, I send out a newsletter in February time, eh, probably mid-January, and um, and you know, basically recap the previous year, talk about things I had success with in the program, in the program, the changes I plan on making for next year to account for those successes and hopefully minimize further uh failures and um and you know then i'm i'm good to go you know whenever a customer signs up with me uh you know i make it very clear that i'm going to continue on that yard until they tell me to stop and they will have to tell me to stop because i'll just keep going i will keep going any thoughts on the turf go ride on uh Lush Lawns, I, I don't really have any experience with it. Uh Yards Done Right. That's that's Jim Beverage. He he does. He's I think he's actually a dealer. Um and he loves Turfco. Uh I've got a close friend in Mount Juliet that just picked up one. Um his uh he is really comfortable on a turfco. That's what he had run for a long time. And so that's what he runs and likes it. Um, me personally, I'm permagreen through and through. Um, I just, to me, a permagreen is everything I need it to do, and it feels like home to me. Every time I step on that machine, it's like, it's the familiarity of being on your favorite bicycle or putting on your favorite pair of work boots or favorite pair of blue jeans, like it's as much of a mental deal with me as it is a tool to get the job done. My confidence level goes up when I get on my permagreen. Um, My mood improves when I'm on my permagreen. It's a comfort thing for me. I feel comfortable on it. Um, It does everything I need it to do. It sprays, it spreads, um, and it does it really, really well. I'm safe on it. I've never been in an issue where I thought just because I feel really unsafe. Uh, I just don't have those issues. So, you know, I'm a I'm permigrating through and through. So I'm I'm not really gonna be able to give you uh, on a turfco or a Toro. Um and I got I got some friends that use Toro too. Um uh a friend in south carolina lexington area um he runs the toro and uh is a fan of it but i think they are wanting to try out a permagreen um maybe for smaller lawns i don't know Uh, i used a toro just for a little bit um on a test run before i got my first permagreen and I had troubles on the hills with it turning into a hill in certain situations where if I'm going uphill and the shape of the yard was like this and as I go this way and begin to turn and try to go back up the other direction and I'm, I'm constantly, um, constantly having to turn into an uphill uh, slope position, I struggled with it because I would naturally be leaning one way in the machine. I would have to steer it the other way, and it just felt odd to me. I wasn't comfortable with it. So, um, you know, there, there you go. John Bates, there he is. John and Josh Bates in Lexington, uh, MPK Lawn Care. They, uh, there's some, there's some X Mark guys. Yeah, so they, they get it done up there with it. I just. You know, it's not something I felt comfortable with, so you know, I I, I didn't do it. It's, it's it's kind of the same thing. You know, people all the time give me a hard time about being on a Z spray, and uh, you know, why don't I use a Z spray? Like, well, I I don't feel comfortable on it, Um especially now in my particular market. I'm in a part of the country where it's 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 very mountainous, and I've got tiny gates that open up to, you know, 10,000 square foot backyards or 15,000 square foot backyards and I got 36 inches of clearance to get through it. So, (laughs) I wanted a small machine and I wanted something that could handle the hills extremely well and with my experience on machines, I feel most comfortable with a permagreen, so that was that was where i went uh all right lush lawns actually you know it's 7:58 as y'all know that is uh the hour time frame here and uh i got to get my kids to bed so anyway thank you everybody for tuning in um you know this first whiteboard video i'm having coming out is going to be building a warm season lawn care program Again, I'm not going to give you a warm season lawn care program, but I'm going to talk about the transitional uh, situations that take place through the course of the year and suggest um, issues that you may potentially run into and why you want to structure the program the way you want to structure the program. So that way, each time you're on the lawn, you're working to improve the lawn, not Uh, trying to catch up with where you should be on the yard so uh, anyway that'll be the first one rolling out and then got a video on um, pH and herbicides that was one thing that was recommended to me Uh, I'm going to do an even more in-depth video on humic acid Um, and then probably some videos on modes of actions on pre-emergence and popular herbicides I'm um, gonna be talking about new herbicides coming out and um, anyway got a list on the whiteboard and it's uh it's ready to rip and roar so anyway thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you everyone for watching I really appreciate it um, I do not think I will be doing my live broadcast next week uh, because of christmas so uh if I do not see y'all next week uh, have a very 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 Merry Christmas, and uh, enjoy your time with your family and loved ones. All right, y'all. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Take it easy.